Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, February the 19th, 2024, and I am delighted to be with you today. Um, I'm recording this actually the evening of the 18th. What a wonderful day of worship the Lord gave us today, and um, I'm glad to have this opportunity to be back with you, and I hope that it finds all of you doing very well. Where we're picking up is where we left off, y'all, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. That's what we're doing, and we're doing this in the book of Acts. Now, the last time that we were together, we finished Acts chapter 22. And if you've been with us all along, you'll know that Paul has finally reached Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit compelled him to go, but also warned him that he'd be handed over to the Gentiles, that all sorts of terrible things would happen. Well, we know that this process has begun. Interestingly enough, it really began with conflict within the church then Paul goes to the temple, there becomes you know, just this uproar comes about as a result of his going there. He gets arrested, gets detained by the Roman government, right? The commander hears about this. The, Jerusalem's in an uproar. They, they start a riot. They're trying to literally beat Paul to death. The Romans go and arrest him. They have him put in chains. They decide they're going to flog him. And then Paul says, basically, hey, should you guys be doing this to a Roman citizen? We know that flogging was a horrible, horrible means of punishment, interrogation, that sort of thing. Just absolutely terrible. It was so bad that by Roman law, if you were a Roman citizen, you were not to be flogged. Now, the rest of the people in the empire, they could have it, but not Roman citizens. No, not at all. And so the commander obviously stops this. He ends up Taking Paul before the Sanhedrin because the issue is one of what's going on in Israel. It's not a Roman law that he's broken. It's a great big mess. As we saw last week, Paul, of course, addresses the crowd and basically tells them, hey, guys, this is happening exactly the way the Lord was telling me this was going to happen. Nevertheless, where we left off the last time we were together is that Paul had been taken to the Sanhedrin, okay? Now, the Sanhedrin was the ruling body of Israel. Yes, there was a Herod, but the Sanhedrin had the high priest. And you got this theocratic thing going on where there's not much separation between the government and between religion. You know, the, our, our modern day concept of the separation of church and state was just absolutely ludicrous. Um, even in Rome, it was absolutely ludicrous because uh, the Roman emperor declared himself a god. Anyway, we got to take off our, our modern day 2024 glasses as we're examining what's going on in the book of Acts and realize what we're actually dealing with. Paul is taken before the Sanhedrin, right? And that is like a court of law, okay? And he's got to answer to them. We left off there. Today, we're going to see what Paul says, certainly. But y'all, in addition, we're going to see Paul do something that Jesus commanded his disciples to do, that he, Jesus commands us to do. And what we're going to see is amazing, y'all. We're going to see Paul. We're going to see smart. Oh, he's so smart. He's so quick. He's, he's just wily here, right? He's as shrewd as a serpent. And at the same time, he's as innocent as a dove. And if that phrase means something to you, well done. Comes from Jesus, actually, as we're going to read in just a moment here. But nevertheless, that's where we're picking up today, and we're going to see what happens next. Let's pray, and we'll start. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we pray that you would bless us in it. Give us eyes that can see and ears that can hear. Let us understand 
what you are conveying in your word and this calling that you have given to us. And yet again, as we see your Holy Spirit on display, working through your servant, Paul, Father, let us expectantly rely on you in the same way. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us alone, but you always work in and through us. Now, please work in and through us as we come to your word. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Acts chapter 23 is where we're picking up. Paul is just entering the Sanhedrin. But even though that's where we're picking up, I want to start with something else. Matthew chapter 10, pulling a switcheroo on you here. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 10 as, as I turn there. In Matthew chapter 10, it, it marks kind of a turning point in Jesus' ministry. He's been training his disciples, right? Um, but in his training, he's been training them to actually send them out, okay? And it's in Matthew chapter 10. If you have those nifty but, but uninspired chapter headings, you'll see that yours probably says something like, Jesus sends out the 12. And what he's doing is he's sending them out to proclaim a message of the kingdom of God. But before he sends them out, he tells them some things, he gives them some commands, some warnings, some advice. He tells them what they're to be like. In so doing, we find out what we're to be like too. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles, the first Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Interesting little side note there that Judas is named as the betrayer. Nevertheless, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Right, so this is what he's sending them to do. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, claim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received freely give. Again, this is the message of the kingdom of God at hand. And Jesus didn't just send them to preach. He sent them with signs. And remember, the value of the sign is what the sign points to. These signs pointing to the validity of who Jesus is. He gives them further instructions. And by the way, by the way, okay, this is not regulative for you and me. Okay, it is regulative for us to go out and proclaim the kingdom of Christ, right? But the whole business about the signs and all of that kind of stuff, look, the Lord can do whatever he wants to do, but we receive a different calling. Okay, no, I'm not saying that we're not to drive out evil spirits or anything like that. But what I am saying is this is specific instructions for specific people at specific times. The principles apply to you and to me as the followers of Christ. But, you know, like for instance, don't go into any Gentile towns guess what? We all probably live in one unless, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> almost said something insensitive. But, but nevertheless, unless you're in certain parts of the world, most likely you're in a Gentile town already, you dig? But so again, the principles apply to us. Now, in the, along the same line, Jesus gives further instructions. He says, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. 
Okay. Whether town or village you enter or whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Again, these are specific instructions in time and space to specific men for specific purposes, okay? This is not saying it's wrong if you're going on a trip to pack a bag, okay? You can take an extra shirt. The whole point here is that Jesus is sending them out to rely on him, on his Holy Spirit, that God is making the way for the message of the kingdom to go forward, okay? That, that's what is being talked about here. Not regulative for you and me. But principles that are revealed therein are regulative, such as the, the, the workman is worth his keep, right? That, that the Lord takes care of those who work for him. But nevertheless, that's not the point of this. Verse 16 is the point of this. As Jesus is sending out his disciples to proclaim this message of the kingdom, as Jesus is commissioning them, as it were, to be about his work, what we find here is a final instruction, well, a final set of instructions, but he tells them this. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Quite the combination there, right? Usually we're good at one or the other. Just like John chapter 1 talks about Jesus come, coming full of grace and truth. Most people either fall into the truth camp and they're ready to burn somebody down with their words or they fall into the grace camp, right? Where they're, they're gracious and they're forgiving. And, and what we're called is to be both, really. Sorry, the sun is going to blind me in a minute here. Um, we're called to be both, really, full of grace and full of truth in the same way. As the followers of Christ, we're to be innocent as doves, right? Gentle, lowly, unassuming. But also, we're to be as shrewd as serpents. We're to have a cunning about us that isn't sinful cunning, but a cunning that results from wisdom and reliance on the Lord. Now, why do I say this? Why do I even bring this up? Well, because of what we find in Paul in Acts chapter 23. As I've said, where we're picking up today is with Paul before the Sanhedrin. And y'all, he's in trouble. We know that the Jews have already tried to kill him. He hasn't helped himself very much by proclaiming that, hey, this is what the Lord said was going to happen. Um, they hate Jesus Christ, and therefore they hate Paul. Last week, one of the passages we started with was John chapter 15, where Jesus makes this promise that if you come after me, no servant should think he's greater than his master. They're going to do the same things to you that they've done to me. And we saw that with Paul last week. But here we see Paul, after having proclaimed the kingdom of Christ, he faces persecution. And here we see innocence like a dove. But oh, we see shrewd thinking like a serpent. What do I mean? Verse 23, where we're picking up, it says, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. 
That's his statement. Pause for just a moment. Um, what's he getting at? He's saying, in essence, I'm an innocent man. What I've done is not because I'm a demon. What I've done is not because I want to destroy Israel. What I've done is I've been faithful to the Lord. God has called me to do these things and I've done them. And my conscience is clean. Now, remember the setting, right? They've literally tried to beat him to death and tear him to pieces. So much so that back in Acts chapter 21, Roman soldiers had to pick him up and carry him to the barracks because people were, they were throwing their own cloaks. They were throwing dust in the air. They were trying to rip Paul into pieces. And his message to the Sanhedrin is, guys, I'm good before the Lord. I've done what the Lord has commanded me and my conscience is clean. Verse two, at this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Now, interestingly enough, the language here, pausing again, is interesting. Those near Paul, what's that mean? That means that Ananias, now he's the high priest. He's the one, he's like the, the, the chief justice of the Supreme Court. That's not a great metaphor, but that's probably the best one, though the chief justice of the Supreme Court speaks for the Supreme Court. He doesn't have really special authority. Ananias, as the high priest, did have special authority. And those that were close to Paul, he said, hey, strike him on the mouth. In other words, clean his mouth up. Now, how many were there? We don't know. We know that there was at least two, right? Because it says, those who were, that, impl that implies multiple people. And y'all, this is probably not some limp-wristed slap kind of thing. This is Paul getting punched in the mouth for what he has said. By at least two, could be several more. Verse three, then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, let yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Now, what Paul is doing there is he's quoting Leviticus and the command in Leviticus to have decent and in order proceedings to not violate the law itself in the midst of trying to keep the law. What he's done is he's cried out to Ananias and he said, you're here to judge me. And yet you just broke the law by ordering these men to bring physical violence on me. I haven't been convicted of anything. You haven't proven anything. And yet you've told them to commit violence against me. Ananias shows himself to be who he really is here, right? He's behaving like a Roman. You know, what did we see in the last chapter? Rome arrested Paul, the Roman commander, and said, oh, let's put him in chains. And I know what, we're going to start out. We're going to loosen him up a little bit. Let's, let's flog him, which again, we talked about. You know, a lot of times it took all the, the skin off of a man's back, right? It, it ended up being whipped on bone all the way down to the ribs. I mean, again, terrible, terrible stuff. And what do we find from Ananias? He doesn't like what Paul has said, so he has people punch him in the face. But there's something else that Paul says here. Did you catch what he called him? He said, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Now he was right. God would indeed strike Ananias, and not only Ananias, he would in, in fact strike all of Jerusalem. Now, the last time the temple had been destroyed was 586 BC. We know that very shortly hereafter, in AD 70, 
the Lord's vengeance is coming again, and it's coming swiftly. Titus was officially the Roman emperor that, that wrought this. However, it was Jesus who promised it. Nevertheless, this term, you whitewashed wall, what does that mean? Well, y'all realize what whitewashing was. Whitewashing was a technique of taking a wall that couldn't really be cleaned, and they would put a whitewash solution on it that would calcify and would turn a dirty wall white. But the real thrust of this insult, because that's what it is, this accusation, this indictment, is that Paul said to Ananias, you're no different than a whitewashed wall. You look good on the outside, but all the filth and the grime is still there. Y'all, this is serious. Serious. And accusing him of breaking the law. Verse 4, those who were standing near Paul said, you dare to insult God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. All right? Now, is this Paul compromising? Is this Paul acting out of fear? No, we don't get that at all. Um, we're not going to read it, but Galatians chapter 6, Paul talks about how his eyesight has failed. We know this is at the end of his ministry, right? We know that when Paul wrote in Galatians, right, he had to use super large letters just to even see him. There's a very simple explanation for what we've just read, and it's that Paul fired off this curse and this insult, not knowing that he was firing it at the real high priest. He knew he was a whitewashed wall. He knew that whoever made the proclamation made the proclamation falsely and broke the law itself and trying to convict him, right? But Paul genuinely didn't know that this was the high priest. This isn't a play on words. It's not a joke. It's not anything like that. Paul is saying here, oh, yeah, okay, I, that's that that's really a problem here, right? And, and what Paul is actually quoting there is coming from Exodus 22, 28. It talks about not belittling those, not cursing those who God has placed in authority. Side note, um, y'all, I like to do it as much as anybody else, you know, politicians, that sort of thing. But we do need to cool it with that kind of stuff. You need to respect the position, even if you don't respect the individual that is in it. Okay, and I, I, and I say this, with dirty hands, and I, I seek the Lord's forgiveness for this, and I'm trying to be much better. I disengage from politics for the most part because it's such a temptation for me to get upset and to to be the guy that that makes fun and and mocks and all that. We're called to something higher, but nevertheless, what you see here is innocence. Why did I start off with Matthew? Because y'all, what we see here from Paul really is innocence. He is being as innocent as a dove here. He doesn't, didn't realize that he was talking about Ananias, excuse me, who was the high priest. And so he pedals back and he recognizes, he said, brothers, verse five, I didn't realize that was the high priest for it's written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. In innocence, Paul said, guys, I, I didn't realize. But not only do we see Paul being innocent as a dove, we see him being shrewd as a serpent. How so? Verse 6, then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, my brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. 
Verse 7, when he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the assembly was divided. Now, this is where we're going to stop for today. We're going to come back here tomorrow. And you might say, well, how is this be him being as innocent as dove and being as shrewd as a serpent? Well, he's as innocent as a dove in what we see with his treatment of Ananias, the, the high priest. But he's as shrewd as, a dove, uh, as shrewd as a serpent here through what he says to the Sanhedrin. This is very similar to what happened with the Roman commander. Just as Paul stretched out, we read about it, just as Paul is stretched out to be flogged, we see him saying, hey, uh, guys, I, I, I don't know about this, right? Um, verse, I'll actually read it. Verse 25, as they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? Now, Paul knows the answer to that question, obviously, doesn't he? It's a quaintment, right? A question that's really more of a statement. Technically, it's a question. Sentence ends in a question mark. He asks this. Probably there was inflection in his voice when he asked it. Is it legal for the... He's making a statement here. Now, fast forward to what we see here. Paul is in trouble. You know, the high priest himself has ordered that Paul be punched in the mouth. Things are not going well. And then Paul says, guys, I'm a Pharisee. I'm in trouble because of my hope of the resurrection. And Paul didn't lie at all. In fact, we would find out later as he would say, oh, I should have looked it up. It's not to the Philippians. I think it's to the Thessalonians. I'll look it up, though. But to the Thessalonians, I believe it was, where Paul talks about our hope. Our hope for all existence is in the resurrection of the dead. That's what we really hope for. Paul has said here, I'm a Pharisee. My father was a Pharisee. We know this. It's true. Trained by Gamaliel. We heard that the last time we were together. All of these things are true. He's a Pharisee. He's trained by a Pharisee. And he says, I'm being persecuted here because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. My hope is in the resurrection of the dead. And indeed it was. His hope was in the risen Christ and the promise that all who trust in Christ will rise with him at the last day. Didn't lie. But oh, how shrewd. Woo, he is slick, y'all. He is really slick because what we'll talk about tomorrow is why this brought in so much conflict. Paul took a situation where he was the only one on the hot seat where his entire life was in danger at this moment in time. They could have just killed him right then. And the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, gave him words to say. And oh, they were shrewd because the Sanhedrin, you see Pharisees and Sadducees, two groups sharply divided over one subject. And that subject was the resurrection of the dead. Paul didn't lie, but he was quick. He didn't give any half-truth, but oh, he was wise. He was shrewd. And tomorrow we'll see the result. Spoiler alert. All of a sudden, it wasn't just Paul on the hot seat anymore. The Pharisees and the Sadducees got a little reminder of how much they hated each other. And calamity and hilarity ensued. But that's where we'll pick up tomorrow. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time and for this calling that you have given to us to be innocent as doves, to do the right thing, to be without guile, but at the same time, to be shrewd as serpents, to be wise, to evaluate what we say and why we say it, and to rely on you. 
We thank you for this very practical example that we've received today of this in the Apostle Paul. We thank you also for the promise that we see fulfilled that we're not alone when these times comes, or these times come, but instead you are with us. Your Holy Spirit guides us. So please guide us the rest of this day. Bring us back together again soon. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, I will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Now, the reason I say Lord willing is this. Got a little throat thing going on, okay? Don't worry, this is not transmitted through uh, the interwebs out there. Isabella tested positive for flu and COVID. Amanda's not feeling so hot herself. Hey, I, I may be the next one to bite the dust. If that happens, if I lose my voice, that sort of thing, obviously I'm not going to be here tomorrow, but I'm planning on it. Lord willing, I will be, and we'll look forward to seeing what happens next. Nevertheless, thank you all so much for being a part of this time. Blessings to you.